0: And occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 204. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Keelan Mack. The Melbourne based old pop artist has had quite a year, signing with Pious Australia and returning with his second solo EP last week, which is entitled Brave Face. In today's episode, we are speaking with Keelan about being a latecomer to music, his songwriting process and his advice for upcoming artists. Here we go. Our guest today is a singer, songwriter, and producer based in Melbourne, Australia. Following on from his 2019 EP, Test the Shadows, the alt-pop artist released his second EP last week, entitled Brave Face. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Keelan Mack. Hello, sir, how are we? Good, good, how are you? I'm very well thank you thank you so much for your time today that's all right I'm happy to be here. now uh, I I do want to ask very quickly firstly where are you joining us from today it looks like a obviously inside but it looks like a very beautiful green living room (laughs) yeah I am in my lounge room currently at home in Melbourne oh beautiful Uh, what is what is the weather like there at the moment um,
1: it's actually sunny, which is surprising. We've come out of a week of rain. And as you have probably read a lot of Victoria's flooding. Um, so it's been pretty crazy here at the moment, but I mean, today we've been gifted with some sunshine. So
0: I think like most of the country and obviously, our hearts do go out to Melbourne with the flooding and everything at the moment, any sense of, uh, sunshine or any relief, from the kind of wild weather, we'll gladly take. So I'm glad that you are seeing a bit of sun sun today.
1: Yeah, no, it's good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now we are talking today uh, about the brand new EP that has just come out for yourself. It is entitled Brave Face. Uh, Firstly, congratulations on this EP. It is a brilliant piece of work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, very proud of it. As you should be. Um, I wanted to ask, I guess, just to begin with, we've recently been talking to a lot of artists about the i guess the juxtaposition of like happy sad music the 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 music that contains lyrical content that might be a little bit more serious or closer to the, the to the truth of life but is wrapped up in a beautifully presented almost sometimes dance floor ready package um and i feel <laughs> like some of these songs kind of uh, fit into that canon as well Uh, Firstly, I guess, how are you feeling about these songs finally being out there and and fans being able to enjoy them?
1: Uh, Yeah, I feel ecstatic. I mean, it's a project that I've been working on for a really long time and we were shopping it around for also quite some time before it was finished. So it's good. It's been a few years that have passed along the way since, um, you know, a lot of these ideas were first formed. So, yeah. I'm, I'm really happy to finally just yeah have it out and release
0: some music again. Uh, yeah. Of course. Do, do, do any of the songs or do any of the tracks when you listen back to them now, now that it's coming out, do they, any of them change meaning for you? Uh,
1: not necessarily. I think some things just naturally change meaning when you look at them in hindsight and you become a little bit further separated from the emotions you had when you were writing it. Um, But they all still definitely kind of strike a chord within me some way or another, like similar to what they
0: did when I was writing them. Of course. Um, This is a, I believe it's the second EP from yourself. And as you said, these songs have kind of been in the works for a number of years. I was wondering if you would be able to, if if you'll allow us to ask, um, to take us back to, uh, as we've discussed you're in Melbourne. I think these songs were written in Sydney when you were camping up there for a little bit. Um, and yeah, whether you're able to tell us, I guess, what took you to Sydney and and what the, the catalyst of some of these songs, uh, stem from, or sorry, where they came from.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Um, every song apart from forever ago was written in Sydney. Um, forever ago is my green light anthem. And that was kind of a song that was written about looking back on that place and, having a bit more kind of ownership and confidence of yourself and your progression. So kind of is only fitting that I wrote that one in Melbourne. Um, I went to Sydney because I was kind of just chasing that music career and I wanted to be near the, the big smoke and, you know, near the major labels and start trying to like network and write with other people. Um, and I fell in love very quickly And a lot of my life in Sydney kind of became this love and this time. And I think it was why I stopped writing for a lot of that period of my life because I was just having fun and (laughs) being in love and kind of doing this thing and this new life for myself, you know, at the age of like 22. Uh, And then, yeah, a lot of that kind of came crashing down. And in that period is when a lot of these songs were being written and then eventually I just couldn't really exist in Sydney anymore. I just think it was kind of connected to a lot of what was happening in my life. And I needed to kind of just, you know, as Braveface says, fill up the car and run away. Um, pretty much what I did a few weeks later, I just, you know, ended my lease, quit my job, packed my car, sold all my things and, and moved to Melbourne. <laughs> very, um,
0: very dramatic <laughs> It makes for good songwriting though, so I think that is all that matters. Um, obviously, it is good to hear that you have, uh, I guess, bounced back or, or been able to to process these things when you're songwriting because I, from what I could tell from an outsider's perspective that there's there's an element of heartbreak in some of these songs. We won't give too much away, but for you when you're writing these tracks, how do you find that balance of sharing kind of living, singing, speaking your truth without having to go into the intricate details of some of those more personal matters in your life?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always a fine balance with songwriting and, you know, some of it is embellishing a moment and making it sound bigger than it is and sometimes it's watering it down and, you know, not being too vulnerable. I think a lot of these songs, I try to explain in essence, what I'm wanting to talk about, but I also, you know, do try and kind of play it out in a way that can be digested more on a larger scale and people can still kind of get the gist of what I'm singing about, but you know, I don't have to be too specific or, you know, reference too many things. Um, But at the same time, you know, I do love artists that write like that. And I think there is a lot of, you know, brilliance in having a lyric that is just to the
0: point and really vulnerable. I think Phoebe Bridges is a person that's so good at that. 100% agree. For anyone who does listen to this podcast regularly, they would know uh, our appreciation for Phoebe Bridges. So I just very much appreciate that you referenced her (laughs) in this. Um, I'd love to know if, if you'll allow me to ask, I guess, your first foray into songwriting and I guess music growing up. I know that, and please correct me if any of this is wrong, I'm hoping I've researched this correctly. <laughs> uh, coming from a, a, a mixed background, you, your mother is from Papua New Guinea, your father is Australian, but with an Irish, uh, with Irish heritage. And so both extremely well-versed musical cultures within them I guess, both lovely musical kind of heritages in those two areas. And then for yourself, was music around in the house a lot when you were growing up and when you were little?
1: Uh, Funnily enough, it wasn't. I, my mother comes from a very big family. She's one of 10 um, and all of my aunties and uncles, you know, play instruments and, You know, on my mother's side, we would have family get togethers where everyone would kind of form a band and we would play for hours um, until, you know, the early hours of the morning. And so to an extent, yeah, growing up, I was definitely surrounded by music in like the bigger picture of things. But at home, apart from my dad playing a lot of Triple J, I think that was probably the biggest musical presence I had. I didn't actually start getting into playing instruments and singing until I was 15 (laughs) So yeah, much later in in life. Do you remember what, uh, I guess
0: what that introduction was around 15?
1: Yeah, I was in high school and I joined the guitar club and we all had our (laughs) nylon guitars doing the Beatles twist and shout at, you know, a school uh, performing (laughs) arts night. (laughs) And then I, um, I became quite close to my music teacher and she kind of brought me in and, uh, made me join the choir and,
0: yeah, kind of shaped me a little bit. I did read somewhere. Um, where was it? I read somewhere that I, I believe when when you were starting out, when you were playing guitar and singing, that Matt Corby was an like one of those earlier inspirations into, I guess, kind of writing your own music.
1: Yeah, super
0: obsessed with that guy, <laughs> big time. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you say that obviously there are some elements that I could pull from, from your musical project to Matt's, but I guess that do you, did you ever think of kind of going down that path of like the more singery songwritery uh, the pathway? Uh, totally. Uh,
1: when I was in high school, I formed a band and was doing a lot of music that was similar to his. Um, and then I went into university and studied it and kind of stayed on that path for a little bit. But Um, kind of fell in love with Ableton and fell in love with producing and kind of took a different route. But um, I've said this so many times before in the past, but if anyone's ever curious, I do have one song on SoundCloud right at the very bottom called Control, where I sing with a five piece band and it still gets like a thousand plays a week today. (laughs) um and that's a that's a completely different version of me and i would say that's probably the the last kind of glimpse of
0: my matt corby obsession you can hear (laughs) in that song (laughs) we will make sure if if you want us to we can put it in the podcast show notes so that people can revisit that after uh checking out the ep but i'll i'll wait for your approval on that one yeah no you can um you can go for
1: it i i love control <laughs> i think it's awesome um i definitely love that you know it's just
0: tucked away on soundcloud and if people really want it they can go find it no look at that we will put it in the show notes and we'll allow people to kind of check out the the multifaceted nature of your musical creative being um <laughs> i was hoping that you might indulge us achilan um one of my favorite tracks off the ep was who i am to you i thought that was a beautiful track. I kind of thought the way that it builds, um, was, uh, it it just kind of out of all the tracks I found myself revisiting it time and time again. Um, if you'll, yeah, if you'll allow us, would you be able to just take us back to the song's creation and and the catalyst and the, the songwriting process for that song?
1: Yeah. I, um, I had the, who am I to you chorus melody in my head and it was floating around forever and, just one of those ideas that I thought I'll get to it when I get to it. Um, but I think my headspace going into it was a little bit different. I kind of wrote it towards the end of my time in Sydney and it was very much written in a calmer headspace. And I think at the time Billie Eilish had just released her latest album and I was listening to a lot of, you know, her vocal and being like, I haven't really done enough just soft, gentle performance with any of my music. I think I get caught up in the energy of of pop and electronic and I wanted to create something that was a little bit more gentle where I could sing softer and, and uh, you know, be a little bit more personable. And so, yeah, out of that came Who Am I To You. It was very much just a, um, a really soft, sweet track whilst, whilst also still being, you know, Sad and and talking <laughs> about sad things, but
0: uh, yeah, it is a brilliant track, and thank you very much for um, allowing us to ask about that. I'm um, I'm curious as a, I guess as someone who I know in previous interviews you've spoken about um, your position within the culture of of being a a queer uh, person of color artist, and and I guess the position of I guess the platform that you have in terms of being able to say what you want to say as someone who who does have that platform I'm I'm curious for yourself when you are songwriting is there any amount of pressure I guess that you that you feel to make sure that you're using that platform to its best ability or is it just that you're wanting to I'm not sure if I'm asking this correctly and I I hope that it's making sense but that you're able to to utilize that position for the best, and that yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what kind of impact that has on your creative process. I guess is the best way to ask it.
1: No, totally. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not a thought necessarily that plays on my mind a lot, and I think that kind of boils down to the subject matter that I like to write about. I think writing about love and heartbreak and emotion is to an extent, of feeling that can kind of be copied and pasted across, you know, many cultures and sexualities. And I think, you know, as long as I'm talking from a place of honesty and from experience, you know, I think if anything, just about being open and say, you know, in my instance, using he, him pronouns as a a uh, love interest in a song is just a way of kind of kindly introducing um, a queer energy into what i 'm writing about. Um, I did a uh, essay where I had to write about what um, Pride Month meant to me, and I think when I kind of went into a place of introspection with myself as an artist in that regard, it was kind of like you know. My nature is I am quite a neutral, um, calm, gentle person, and I don't necessarily go out and protest uh, in a vocal, uh, aggressive manner. It's kind of more of a protest in existence and, you know, being myself in the public eye. And so, yeah, I think a lot of what I take into regard is just being as honest as I can and,
0: and, you know, as queer as I can. Of course, um, I did have a read of that article. I think it was Atwood Magazine. I'm not sure if that's the right one. Um, Yes, it was a beautiful, beautiful essay. Um, Again, we'll put that in the show notes so people can read that as well after they listen to this episode. Um, I know that in the essay you kind of mentioned that it took you a little while within your own artistry to, I guess, kind of get there to, to be able to find that balance. Do you have any advice for younger artists who are coming up, who might be uncertain of their own voice, and if they do find themselves as a member of the the queer community, or they might be a person of color, do you have any advice for those people who are still, I guess, finding their own voice and the, where they want to stand on it?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of my hesitation with that was, I was really scared of kind of being lumped into this category of queer artist or queer POC artist. And I think that it really stopped me from being my true self. I wasn't necessarily closeted. I like, you know, I was out to my family and my friends and there was never an issue in that regard, but I, yeah, I it hindered me a lot because I was really scared of, of getting thrown into all of these queer categories. Cause I wanted to be seen as an artist that just made music. Um, but I think, you know, the older I got and the more I did it, the more I realized that just being yourself, it will happen. Those categories get formed, but in saying that, you know, you also have younger queer artists or music enthusiasts that want to focus on queer voices and, um, POC voices. And, you know, if there's any actual kind of advice I would offer would just be to be your absolute truest self and you know make the music that you want to make and whatever category that you get put into it will
0: just happen and as long as you're being yourself it'll it'll be true to that. I think that's fantastic advice Um, thank you very much for discussing that with us one thing I was wanting to, to touch on I know before you mentioned Ableton I believe that your first foray into production was through a deluxe edition of the flume record that had i think some of his stems and like a demo version of ableton if, if i've done my research <laughs> <Yes>. correctly yeah <laughs> yes yep do you have a preference in your creative process of i guess production first beats first lyrics first is it the same every time or is it yeah i guess what is the do you is yeah do you have a preference in in one of those two
1: um, I definitely don't. I think I am a songwriter first and producer second. Um, I've never been the type of person that just sits down and makes beats. It's always been kind of like songwriter brain triggering a beat to be made for it. So yeah, it always kind of starts with a vocal idea or a lyrical idea. Um I usually jot down kind of song titles and lyrical lines in my phone and then we'll kind of just pick those out and kind of go into a session with the idea of trying to make a song that, you know, uses those lyrics. And then I'll kind of just see what I want to do on the day. It, (laughs) it depends. Yeah. Never, never a set process for me.
0: Uh, Look, I can very much appreciate that. Um, Keelan, I guess a number of people would like to know as well with this EP coming out, can we expect to see you playing any shows, um, around the country in support?
1: Possibly, shows are a little bit touch and go at the moment. Um, we're kind of just focusing on getting this EP out and um, working on the next project. But as the time comes and as the shows come, we'll see.
0: Look, we will take we will take that. That's <laughs> that's more news than than before. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for some live shows from yourself. Um, lastly, Keelan, we would usually ask, our guests what they're currently listening to. If there's anything at the moment that's on high rotation for yourself.
1: What am I listening to? Let's have a look. Um, I've been listening to the new Charlie XCX album, um, on repeat for a while. Great album. That's been a big one. Um, and I've also been listening to oh, this is the worst look through my search history because Ariana Grande's My Everything album like popped into my head yesterday <laughs> and I've been listening to that on repeat. Um, That's a great album. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a great album. There's Yeah, there's a reason why I listen to it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, probably that. And I've been uh, really getting into Fred again and just listening through his... Um, his latest album that came out quite some time ago. But,
0: um, yeah, it's probably my most, my most recent. All very solid choices. I think all great choices, Charlie, Fred, and Ariana. Um, but Keelan, thank you so much for your time today. Congratulations on the EP Brave Face. It is out now. Um, but yes, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast.
1: No, thank you so much for having me.
0: That's our show. A massive thank you to Keelan Mac for his time. Brave Faces is out now, and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream the EP. We also want to give you a huge shout out to Shari, a great company collective, for helping out with today's interview. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods, and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning, and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can follow the players' profile on Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.